Hello and welcome to the Seamless Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Radford. And I'm Tim Briggs, or as Andrew Roca likes to call me, Andrew Biggs. Yeah, that was a big deal. Man. That was. I, I, I met him, right? Andrew Roca, for people that don't understand, the UCF Dogs of War Ultimate Frisbee coach. So I met him and I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. And he's like, yeah, you're the podcast guy, Andrew Biggs. I was like, like yeah, man, you yeah, got it. You got it, man. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty. <laughs> oh god! I've been planning that this. intro since he said that. Oh, to I know me, you have. So. I'm fully aware. Uh, we got a lot of interesting things to talk about today. Um, we actually got a question in our email. We have a mailbag. Wow! For you today, a, a mailbag filled with one <laughs> ink email. One email. But we are going to answer those questions. But it's a very small bag, and uh, <laughs> it's filled to the brim with it's a very our one small message. bag. So we're pretty excited to, to talk about that for a little while. And uh, our main story for today, the unwritten rules of baseball. And that's a topic that's come up a few times just recently, actually. Um, so we're, we're going to kind of go into that. Are they good for baseball? Oh, I don't know. What do you think? We'll obviously talk about it later. but Yeah, I mean, this week, the thing with... Hansel Robles and the quick pitch and Larry Boa getting upset. We'll get more into the details as we talk about it more. But, yeah, it's a – I mean, it's a new generation. People are starting to bat flip and showboat, and we'll see if what we think, if it's good for baseball, bad for the sport. So that's what we'll talk about for the most part in this episode. It's going to be interesting. We also have a top five list, and it's actually one that was recommended um, by, in that email – that got sent to us. So yeah. yeah, we listen to our listeners. Yeah, if you send emails, we'll we'll more than likely <laughs> we're going to answer it. Yeah, because we don't get many so far, but you know, yeah, we're, it'll be it's good. We're pretty happy when we get one. Should we reveal what the top five is? Or oh no, wait? no, we'll get to oh, that later. Okay. All right, yeah. sounds good. And another thing that actually just came in is that the Seattle Mariners GM Jack Zarensik, I believe I'm pronouncing that right. Can yeah, I get a language of origin? Yeah. Can you use it in a sentence, please? Greek. The Seattle Mariners <laughs> fired Jack Zarensic today. <laughs> yeah, that, I guess that'll work. You're welcome. Uh, we'll talk about that. You know, obviously it hasn't been a very good season for the Mariners yeah. this year. Uh, Fun fact, they are my World Series, one of my World Series teams. So One of your World Series teams. <laughs> um, Proud yeah, of that. That worked out well. Proud of that. So... <laughs> We'll get into that a little bit more as we go on. All that and more on today's edition of Seamless. Stick around. We're going to start off with our first email ever on the Seamless Baseball Podcast. It's time for the mailbag. And we're pretty excited to finally get an email here. I mean, I guess it's only been like two episodes, but it's, it's felt like a really long time. Yeah, it's good. I, I'm glad we're getting like at least a tiny semblance of uh, fan interaction, and but it's good. It's awesome. We're just grow and grow and grow. Yeah. Uh, we love hearing from you guys. Love answering your questions. Yeah. This has actually been something we've been pondering for pretty much all week. Honestly. We really have. Uh, we sat down at Five Guys and we pondered what our podcast was going to be yeah, about. So we did. That was and, actually uh, good. Yeah. And yeah. the email is from Chad Russum. Yeah. I don't know who he is, but I know Jake knows him from Yeah, he he's a he's a buddy of mine. He's a plastic thrower, I think. Uh he's done that once or twice. Okay. But uh his question is Will Cargo, Carlos Gonzalez, change teams before the end of the month? Who are the likely suitors for now or the off season if he isn't traded now you know, at the end of the month? And uh, also, are there any other big names that are likely to move? What do you think about that? First off, starting with the cargo, is he going to be traded by the end of this month? Um, No, I don't think he'll be traded by the end of the month. Um, I think if they were going to move him, they would have moved him at the deadline. Okay. And Because, I mean, he's not going to clear waivers or anything, and he's not a salary dump, so... I mean, I don't know why the Rockies didn't move him at the deadline. Yeah, it seems like... He's obviously a viable candidate. Right. They want to get like, rid of him. They get rid of Tulo already, and Cargo, my goodness, I think in the month of July he hit 
he hit so many home runs. After the All-Star break, I think he's hit about 20 home runs, which is absurd. Yeah. So when a guy's that hot, I don't know why you wouldn't cash in on that and get the best you could. I mean, the Rockies, they need pitching so badly, and they're they're not good at all. They're the worst team in baseball, yeah. I think. And, I mean, Carlos Gonzalez is like... He is a perfect guy to get rid of to get some good pieces for. So You talked about his power numbers. He's put up fantastic power numbers this year. 30 home runs so far. Uh, and if you're wondering, is that just due to you know him playing in Coors Field? He's hit 17 home runs at home and 13 on the road. Yeah, so, so it's, he's... it's pretty good power-wise. But you look at his average numbers, like you know how well he's hitting for average, and both this season and last season, even though he was hampered by injury last season, he really hasn't put up cargo kind of numbers there. Um, yeah. I mean, his home and away splits, again, average-wise, kind of concerning there, too. He's only hit 248 on the road this year. So you kind of wonder, is Carlos Gonzalez the kind of guy who can maybe only put up those kind of numbers at Coors Field? Um, ugh. I mean, it's tough. He's definitely a great player, I think. Oh, yeah. I think he can help any team and definitely be a very productive corner outfielder. Also, he's a gold glover, and that's something that a lot of people um, tend to forget. He he can have some lapses in focus and effort at times, or at least it'll seem that way because he makes everything look so easy. But he's a very good fielder. I think he's he has unique power. I think he has one of the sweetest left-handed swings in the whole game. Yeah, I mean, it, I I want to see him on a more, jeez, I don't know, like a more fair to Midland team, like in terms of where they play. Because I mean, when you play at Coors, it's I don't know. Yeah, you or I could hit two hundred at Coors Field. I mean, the maybe. numbers are definitely skewered for sure. Yeah, it's crazy, and I mean, it's not like like if you think about guys that were good at Coors Field, they've moved places and still been good, but like. It's astronomical how good you are at Coors Field. Like, like Justin Morneau won the batting title last year. Right. Well, you got to wonder, like, obviously a team is going to have to pay, you know, the, the amount that they would for any other player not taking Coors Field into effect. Right. Like, they can't punish the Rockies like that. That would never happen. So is it worth it for another team to pay that much more when maybe his splits don't suggest that he'll be as successful outside of Colorado? Well, they're going to have to because, I mean, in the offseason, he definitely – I mean, come on. He has to get traded, right? Oh, yeah. How can can you keep him more? I mean, it would would just be stubborn and, frankly, pretty ignorant of the Rockies to keep him through this contract and not get the pitching that they really, really need. I mean, they could get – I would think that they would be able to get, like – a frontline starter prospect, or even like a couple decent ones, anyway. I mean, whatever you can get for a guy that I mean, right now he's playing as best as he had has in the last few years, and they are still losing pretty much every game they play. Yeah. So what's really the point of having it? You got like pretty good pieces like Reyes and Car- uh, Cargo, and like a few other guys that you could trade in the off season and try to get better. And, I mean, trading Tulo has definitely, I guess, started that. But I think they could have really sold and gotten some good players at the deadline. But, yeah, the offseason's coming. Yeah. But my, per- oh, Go ahead. my question is, where do you think he could be headed? Yeah, well, I was just going to say, if you trade him now before the end of this month, the places that he can go and the pieces that you're going to get back are, are rather limited. Whereas if you wait till, until the offseason... You know, a lot more teams are going to be interested right. than what currently would be. There's a lot more openings, a lot more teams that have these kind of prospects that would be interesting going after a cargo guy to maybe go for it in 2016, even though they're not being as competitive this year. Right. Um, you know, if he was to be traded, say today, tomorrow, personally, I, I, I've looked at it. I think there's three teams that maybe might be a fit. Teams that are kind of right on the cusp of, you know, obviously competing for that wild card spot. Maybe not the division, but, you know, they're definitely there. They're going to make the playoffs. And uh, one of those is the Texas Rangers, who could really use some outfield help. I mean, they're really battling for the wild card spot right now. 
it seems like it would be a good fit, good fit for him. I think he would hit well in Arlington. Oh yeah, certainly. I mean, see, he just feels like a Texas Ranger to me. I don't know why, but I mean, that was definitely the the spot that came to mind when I first thought, you know, where could Carlos Gonzalez go if he were to be traded this season? Yeah. Well, my my first thought was. At the deadline, I thought that a really good fit for Cargo was in Anaheim with the Angels. But they decided to get three kind of, like, average outfielders mm-hmm. to supplement. And it was, a, it was like, you know, that's decent. They got, I think, DeJesus, David DeJesus, David Murphy, and Shane Victorino. All decent players, of course. But And David Murphy's actually played very well for them since coming on board, but Cargo is like a totally different level. Yeah. You could put him in right field and have that middle of the order of, you know, Trout, Pujols, Cargo. That changes everything. Who's who's playing right field for the Angels right now? Is it Calhoun? I'm pretty sure. I don't know too much about the Angels. Yeah, that sounds right. Okay. Yeah, so obviously Cargo is he's an upgrade yeah. over Calhoun. And you could put Calhoun in, you know, left or whatever, because they right. had outfield problems. That's why they got, you know, three guys. It's just they had some holes there. And they were worried about Trout's injury at the time. Right. Well, ever since Hamilton left, they've obviously had a gaping hole there. Yeah. So, and and they can, they've always shown in the past that they can take on the money of a contract. Oh, yeah. So yeah, they're definitely willing to spend. Issue. Um, yep. Certainly. Uh, one other team that I thought, you know, might have a chance of, of going after him is the Chicago Cubs. Oh, wow. And they're actually an interesting one because I'm not sure that they'd really be willing to part with any of their young pieces. But at the same time, they've got so many of them. Yeah. Should they just, you know, let go of, of I don't know who it would be. I'd have to really look into it more. Could they let go of one of their many pieces to try to really go for it this year? Yeah. I mean, that, that would be scary. Yeah. In that lineup? Wow. I mean, you got... Jeez, that would be that. I'm just thinking about that. That'd be terrifying if, like, for other teams, for oh, the yeah, Cubs, would be wonderful. I don't know. They, I don't. I could. I definitely see the fit. It's just it would be tough for them, especially this season. I think more likely he'll be, you know, on the block come the off season. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think Chicago is definitely a possible destination going into the off season. I'm not really sure what other teams would would really be there at this point. Yeah, I mean it, it's so tough with free agency. You just don't know who's going to go where, who's what options right. are going to be picked up, you know, all of the above. So yeah. I see Houston as a decent fit for um, Cargo, especially especially with uh, I mean they got Gomez in center now. Mm-hmm. Rasmus they signed to a very short deal, so he'll yep. probably walk and get a decent contract unless they want to resign him. But I think Cargo would be an improvement over Rasmus certainly. So yeah, I think that'd be a pretty good fit, and I don't know, but I, I'm interested to see where he goes because he's really, really fun to watch when he's on. Oh yeah, he's a really exciting player. Personally, I think you talked about a swing earlier. He's got one of the best swings since Griffey. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like, so fun to watch. Like I, uh, it was I was watching, um, I was watching a Met game, obviously, and they were playing the Rockies, and I think Keith Hernandez compared it to like a John Olerud swing. And ah, if that's you, interesting. And if you look at yeah, it's very similar. They did a side-by-side, so it was it was good. Good comparison there. The last part of that question, any other big names that are likely to move by the end of the month, by the uh, trade waiver deadline? Um, I don't know. I think Utley was the last of the big moves. Last because, of the big moves, yeah. Personally, yeah. I think so, too. I'm not sure any other big names are going to yeah. go. I, I saw one name being tossed around, uh, Alejandro de Aza. Obviously yeah. not a big name guy but it's interesting to follow obviously the red sox probably not going to make the playoffs this year i mean never count them out except (laughs) do that because you never know smart thing to do (laughs) yeah i mean the the deadline is uh for official waiver i think it's about two days away so we'll see but by the time of this recording i would think it would be doubtful because at this point it's kind of like you know people have been cleared for waivers a long time now so it would be right. like just the last little scoops it'll it'll be interesting to follow yep. over this next few days uh we move on to our main story today and that's the unwritten rules of baseball or baseball etiquette and there's been a couple situations over these last few days which you know people have gotten pretty upset with the yeah. way certain players have acted i know carlos gomez was one of those against the new york yankees 
Carlos Gomez, the, the Astros were up by quite a bit, and uh, Gomez, you know, made an out, and he threw his helmet and bat in frustration. They got upset with him because, you know, he was getting frustrated with himself, even though his team was up by so much. Personally, like, I think if a player is still trying his best, even when his team is up by however many runs it was, I think that's, like, admirable. I want to see more right. of that in baseball. I don't get why a team would be upset about that, personally. Yeah. I mean, I guess in the in that certain situation, some of it could be frustration on the Yankees' part that they're just, like, losing by a lot. Right. And, they, they would... and another thing, Carlos Gomez is no stranger to controversy, particularly in the last couple of years. He's gotten into some scuffles because, you know, against the... I think it was the Pirates. He hit a really deep fly ball to center, and he he watched it for quite a long time. And it didn't end up it didn't end up going over the fence. It hit off the wall, and he had to sprint around just to get a triple. And he was celebrating on third. And Garrett Cole really took offense to it. He you know pointed at him, and it caused a brawl. There were punches thrown. It was crazy. And then another situation with him against the Braves. He hits a homer. He showboats it. He posts. Uh, points at the pitcher and then McCann you know Brian McCann yeah in typical Brian McCann fashion I'm the police of the game stands in front of home plate doesn't let him touch it no that's fine but yeah he just you know he yeah. has a he plays with a lot of passion oh, yeah. a lot of intensity and some people don't like that so I, mean, I is guess that, is that bad for baseball I mean I a lot of people I mean, accuse baseball of being too boring do we need right. players like that to really... I think I think that's the point it's like yeah. what I mean, these unwritten rules. I mean, I understand certainly. You don't want to show any, like, you don't really want to show anyone up. You don't really want to. I don't know, but at the end of the day, it's it's like it's a fun, it's a game. Yeah, like you're playing a game. So it's, it's, it's entertainment. Yeah, honestly, that's what all sports are. I don't Yasiel, know why we're so afraid yeah. to let the entertainment part come into the game. I mean. At the same time, I am an old-fashioned baseball fan myself, so I understand both sides of it. But I also understand, you know, baseball has been struggling to kind of keep that excitement level up these last few years. People have kind of started to drift away from it. Right. Maybe we need guys like that, you know, guys who make the game exciting to watch, maybe guys that are a little edgy. Yeah, I mean... When you think about Yasiel Puig, for one example, he's on the cover of the latest MLB The Show game, I think primarily because of the flair that he plays with. I mean, he'll hit a home run and he'll flip his bat into the second row. And, like, I mean, I I don't know. I think that's cool. Like, of course, if you're playing against him, you're going to be like, oh, like, how awful. But, yeah, that's that's the cool competitiveness of sports, I think, that people tend to get too caught up in like i i mean geez like if my my response if you'd want someone to not bat flip how about you get them out (laughs) i mean in all honesty powerful yeah i mean geez what a concept right like if someone is better than you at something don't get mad if they enjoy it you know i mean are we supposed to just like i mean i don't i don't know i mean i don't think we should be that like these baseball players, they're role models for kids. They're, kids watch baseball. I know I did. I used to, you know, uh, copy my stances and my actions and what I did based on how the players that I watched played. And I don't think it's that bad if a kid, like, will bat flip or I, – I don't think it's disrespecting the game at all. I just think it's, you know, having confidence and having fun. I, I certainly understand why someone would think it, but I don't know. I guess that's just my opinion. Yeah, and let's be real, this has happened in other sports, too. You look at the NFL with the touchdown celebrations. A lot of things they've tried to, like, kind of get out of their own respective sports, and it's really just begin, just been because of players complaining and stuff like that about it being disrespectful when maybe it's just part of the whole entertainment thing and it should be embraced. Yeah, certainly. And an- another example, apart from just the entertainment side... Uh, one of the incidents, partially I think the reason why we came up with this topic is mm-hmm. the Hansel Robles, Larry Boa incident in Philadelphia. It was, it was a weird situation. Like I, I'm going to try to describe it, but I would definitely recommend trying to watch it. It was, 
Robles is a reliever for the Mets, and I believe it was the eighth inning. It was a close game, and Darren Ruff is up to bat. And, you know, prior to when a batter gets ready to hit, he'll tap on the plate. He'll, you know, do his routine, I guess. And Ruff wasn't looking, and he was doing his whole thing. And the umpire pointed to Robles and said, pitch or whatever, and everyone was ready. And so Robles threw a quick pitch, and it was down the middle. And Well, everyone wasn't ready. The batter wasn't. The right. batter wasn't. Yeah. yeah. So I, and then of course you know Larry Boa, Jeff Francoeur, they were absolutely incensed. They went to the top uh, step of the dugout. They started cursing out at Robles, and it was it was like it was a it was a scene. Everyone was very hot headed. The benches cleared, I guess, a little bit, and uh, yeah, it was just I don't know. I could understand. I mean, if Robles, if that pitch gets away and that hits rough, that could be very very bad news. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't know, shouldn't you kind of be ready to hit if both feet are in the batter's box and you're, you know, fiddling around? Yeah, I mean, that's the rule. Once you step into the batter's box, the pitch can come at any time. And then right. It's, it's not the pitcher's fault. Or the umpire points to him. Like, he's trying to get the batter out. Yeah. I, I don't understand really what the issue is. Obviously, the hitter's upset because he wasn't ready, but that's that's your own fault. Yeah, I mean, people think that, I guess quick a quick pitch is kind of like bush league, but I don't know. It's a it's an advantage that a pitcher has. He has the ball in his hands. He can you know throw off someone's timing. However, I think he should be able to. Right. I mean, I mean, it's not even an advantage really because that's the rule. Once you step into the box, you got to be ready to hit. Right. So it's not an advantage. Like you got to be ready. Like I understand you have your routine or whatever, but if the pitcher doesn't want to follow that, I don't think he should be responsible when you're not when you're not happy. And another thing, like what point are we getting at with this everyone has to be ready? Like is the hitter going to have to go out to the pitcher and shake his hand <laughs> and like ask him to lunch and then okay, then we'll be ready. Like I mean, it's just absurd all this etiquette nonsense. Like we're playing a game, it's a, you know, we're in the middle of a pennant race if you're the Mets. And I mean, I'm a Mets fan, so like, I don't know. It, it might come off as like, honestly, I think Robles shouldn't have thrown the pitch. Obviously, it is dangerous. I think he could have hit him in the head, particularly since Robles doesn't have fantastic control. <laughs> and I was surprised, but I mean, when you look back at it, Ruff has both feet in the box. And then after the game, Jeff Francoeur is like, I mean, they ask him what was why he was upset, and he's like, Ruff didn't have both feet in the box. And I was like, well, you're you're wrong. He did. So, I mean, I think, man, guys are just overthinking this whole thing. Yeah. I mean, the game is dictated by the umpire. As soon as he points to the pitcher, the hitter's got to be ready. Right. And I think that that's the main thing, honestly. There's a lot of unwritten rules like that that directly relate to the game that really annoy people if you go against it. Uh, a couple of them I was thinking of was when stealing when you have a large lead, mm-hmm. bunting when you have a large lead, and also a big one bunting to break up a no-hitter and i think that's the most interesting one yeah i mean i think i mean i i guess i have differing views on a lot of those things which is interesting i don't think you should bunt when someone has a no-hitter but like if you want to you should you're trying to win the game Yeah, particularly if the game's close if it's like a one nothing game you need a base runner yeah like i I mean, are we just supposed, oh, don't hurt anyone's feelings? Like, this is everyone's livelihood, you know? Like, if you win a certain game or lose a certain game, it can make a huge difference in your personal career, how much money you're going to make. One at bat can change your career. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, what? We're just supposed to... Everybody be buddy-buddy, don't hurt anyone's feelings. I mean, I that might sound insensitive, but... Yeah, I mean, I... I think we both understand how important a no-hitter is. Like, it's obviously a big deal, but at the same time, it's also a big deal to win the game. And if Bunning gives you a chance to do that, I don't understand why that's not okay. Right. Uh, And it comes back to the point, like, if you don't want someone to do something, prevent them from doing it. Yeah. Like, baseball is an ultimate mono-e-mono sport. If you can stop someone from doing something, you're perfectly capable of doing it you have that opportunity so i mean if you give up four home runs in a row and then you hit the next guy and that's your own fault you gave up four i mean you know what's everything is dictated by what actually happens there is no real like you have to i guess baseball's the ultimate 
control your own destiny sport. You can control what happens. So I don't know. Just do what you want to be the good thing. Right. I I think another one of the biggest ones, you kind of just mentioned it, is when your star player gets hit by a pitch for some reason in baseball – you are supposed to hit their star player. Especially the Pirates, to yeah. not mention any names. And, and it's, I mean, that's dangerous. Like, yeah. that's not helping you win the game at all. It's just like, yeah. that's it's the, almost childish. Yeah, like, that's it is the childish. Oh, yeah. I mean, because every single time Andrew McCutcheon gets hurt, someone else on the other team has to get hit. And especially with this, uh, it was, I think it was about a month back with the Reds and the Pirates. There was, McCutcheon gets hit and once, and then... I mean, it was just the ball just got away. It wasn't intentional, obviously, and then it happened again with someone else, and then Marlon Bird gets hit, and the next day Brandon Phillips gets hit, and then they, they get, you know, everybody gets really upset. And it's just, I mean, God, you got to have more knowledge of the game than that, I think. I mean, these guys are just, they're trying to show off their manhood so much that they are losing focus on what really is important. I mean, you're giving up a base runner. I mean, I don't, to me, don't hit people on purpose. You're putting people on base. Why right. would you do that? <laughs> I I don't know. I, I, that's just my opinion, though. I, I'm not into the whole unwritten rules thing, I guess. Not as much as other people. But I certainly understand it. Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, would it be different if we were, like, still playing baseball? Like, if we were in their shoes, would be like... Oh, I'm sure it would. Yeah. yeah. Probably. I mean, I guess it's just like looking at it from an outsider's perspective. It just seems dumb. Yeah, because I think they're acting on emotion and how they're feeling. And I think as outside perspective, we can give more logic and reason to what's going on. Right. And, you know, I don't know. It just depends on where your perspective's at. Email us your thoughts on unwritten rules in baseball. We'd love to hear what you guys have to think. What's an unwritten rule that you think is just, like, completely ridiculous? Or maybe you disagree with us entirely and think unwritten rules are good for baseball. We love to hear what you think. We'll talk about it on next week's show. Next up, the top five list. And yep. uh, this, this is one a... was actually emailed yep. to us um, in that same email. He suggested a top five, and he really came up with a good one. The top five 2016 free agents. And uh, what we went ahead and did is because uh, there are so many free agents and, um, you know, so much to be talked about. I decided to do the top five free agent hitters, and Jake decided to do the top five free agent pitchers. So that's how this will go. Yeah, and Tim, why don't you start? Give us your number five hitting free agent for 2016. My number five hitting free agent is uh, someone very close to Jake Radford's heart. Uh Guy by the name of Chris Davis. Gotta love him. Crush. Yep. Chris Davis has had an incredible season so far after a very disappointing uh, 2014. Excuse me. Had to clear my throat there. Um, I love that Adderall. (laughs) Jeez. That's coming out of it. That's coming out. (laughs) Um, No, Chris Davis is having a very good season. And after last year, I wasn't really sure if he was going to be able to get a contract of over $100 And as as a thirty year old, it'll be a it'll be a good age to be in a walk here. I would think he would be able to get five or six year deal for around a million bucks. So that would a hundred million dollars. Excuse me, just a million dollars. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> I mean he's obviously got that power. One thing a lot of people don't realize, he's also one of the best defensive first basemen that true. I know I've seen in a while. Uh, he can play right field also. So I mean he's a versatile player more so than you'd really think. And he's and he's you can tell he's a good teammate and he's got he's I mean I mean he led the league in homers a couple of years ago so he's got unlimited power potential and he can really help a team hit in the middle of the order drive in runs solid guy and at number five it just shows how strong this crop of free agents is oh yeah definitely if if all of these guys actually like reach free agency it's gonna be fascinating to see how oh, it all yeah. shakes out in the end the game could really change oh for sure. My top five starting pitcher is a guy who's made the all-star team several times, but he's kind of struggled over the course of his career, but he's really come on strong in these last few years, and that's Scott Kazmier. Solid. Of Solid recently, the Houston Astros, and he's scheduled... Scheduled? Ah, whatever. 
Yeah. He'll, he's supposed to be a free agent in the offseason. And this is a guy who's really put up fantastic numbers this year. Um, his ERA, 239 for 2015, uh, and that's between two different teams, the Oakland Athletics and now the Houston Astros. Um, his win-loss record, not too great. I mean, he's 7-8, and eight, but, you know, win-losses really don't mean like a whole lot. Yeah. He's not. He's giving up less than a home run a game, which is obviously fantastic. You know, giving up home runs is not good. So this is a guy who any team who gets him, they're going to be getting one of the best left-handed pitchers in the game today. Oh, yeah. And I don't think we could say that you know, three, four years ago. No, he's he's really... I mean, he was pitching for the Sugarland Skeeters a few years ago yeah. after his complete derail with the Angels. It's he's, amazing how far he's come back. Yeah. Former Met farmhand, and... Uh, Fun yeah. fact. That, that who'd, you, who'd you trade him for? Oh, okay, we get to talk about I, this I believe. I believe, hold life. on, let me guess. I think it was Victor Zambrano. It was, it was Victor Zambrano. Oh, yes. I mean, only the 2004 Mets led by Jim, led by Jim <laughs> Duquette, uh... A, great, a fantastic general manager. No, Even better no, analyst. <laughs> oh, jeez. I'm sorry, that was me. And, <laughs> no, you get, only the Mets would trade for a guy who led the league in uh, three different categories. You know, very, very, very good astute observations. Hit by pitches, walks, and, and wild pitches. So <laughs> those are three categories you really want from oh, yes. your ace. So. Why don't you move on to your top four? <laughs> or, I'm sorry, My number fourth, four. Yes. Uh, Jason Hayward. Ooh, interesting. All right. This is a guy that I he's had a fantastic season and he honestly probably should be higher on this list, but it's more of a personal list, so I don't know. I I think Jason Hayward is probably the best defensive right fielder in baseball. His uh his defensive war would indicate that over the past few seasons. He has tremendous power, he has speed, he can hit at any uh part of the order, and I think the best thing going for him personally He's going into free agency as a 26-year-old. He could be able to get a contract of maybe even 8 to 10 years in kind of... What? 8 to 10 years for Jason Hayward? I mean, when you look at his kind of numbers, he's been the guy that people are saying he could get one of those monster Cano or, you know, Pujols kind of contracts. Yeah, we've seen how well those Cano and Pujols... Exactly. Well, Pujols has been better of late, but, I mean, the Cano contract... I mean, yeah, for Mariners I think for, loving that. for Hayward personally, he could take this two ways. He could take like a five or six or even like a four-year deal and hit free agency again, or he could just go for broke and like get the biggest mega deal he could. I am fascinated to see what happens with him because I, I can't see him taking less years than what's being offered to him. I think he's going right. to go out and take that big contract. And I mean, he. Like with Jason Hayward, some of the numbers, they're just not always there. But when you look at the defensive metrics and when you see how he teams, how well they play when he's in the lineup, I mean, geez, the Cardinals have been absolutely unbeatable this year. And it's, I don't think it's any coincidence that he's been one of their best and most consistent position players all season long. So I don't know. I mean, if the Cardinals re-sign him, they're usually not the type of team to give those massive deals out so i'm very 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 interested to see where he goes and how much money he gets no no doubt my number four pitcher is also a guy who's been traded recently and that's mike leak who oh, is yeah. uh, now a member of the san francisco giants he's slated to become a free agent this offseason and he's really had a fantastic career he's only i believe 27 years old yeah he just turned 27 not too long ago and he's been fantastic, gradually getting better and better. This is a guy who could probably be had for not that much at all. But he's a guy who can really perform well for your team. This season, between two teams, the Reds and the Giants, he's had a 344 ERA, and he's really done well for the Giants so far, only in two starts. But he's been fantastic for them. His whip... Just above 1.1, which is obviously Very fantastic good. for anybody. I really like Mike Leake. I mean, he's a young guy. You could possibly get him under control for quite a while, and he's going to perform for quite a while the way he's been going. Oh, just yeah. getting better and better. I, I love the Giants as a fit for him. 
I think if he stays there, that would be – he is just the kind of guy that they like. He just shows up every fifth day. He can eat innings. He, you know, he is just their kind of guy, just consistent, will show up and do his job. And I, I really like Mike Leake. I'm a big Mike Leake fan. I agree. I think if he does stay for the Giants, that that'd be a really good fit for him. Obviously, that ballpark, not a bad place to pitch in. <laughs> But he's not really a guy who's prone to giving up home runs anyway, right. so I'm not entirely sure it matters. But yeah, obviously, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> yeah. So um, once you go to your number three, my number three is a guy that's been on the shelf most of the season, but uh, over the past couple of years prior has been one of the best one of the best outfielders in baseball, Alex Gordon. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, it's I thought about I don't know like putting him off the list because he's on the DL, but Alex Gordon's so good that he's going to be one of the top free agent guys. Now, he does have an option. Yeah, he's got he has a 12 and a half million dollar player option, but I would think that on the open market he would be able to get more than that per yeah. season. So, I would think that he would waive that and uh ask a bunch of teams to you know, see how much they want to give him because he he has won the gold glove over there in left field quite a few times. He is, I mean, man, he's probably the most consistent Royals player aside, probably aside or, you know, alongside Eric Hosmer. And when he went down, I thought that it was going to really affect them. But, you know, the, the Royals are so, so good. And when he comes back from the groin injury, I think they're going to, man, I, they're, they're going to be really tough to beat coming to playoff time. And in the off season, it'll be interesting to see if the Royals can have that playoff success and maybe win a, win a title. Is he going to stay? Or is he going to go? I don't know. That, that This free agent crop is very interesting. My number three pitcher is a guy who has kind of been contending for the Cy Young Award these last few years. This year, kind of kind of down, at least for him. He's still put up really good numbers. And that's the Washington Nationals' Jordan Zimmerman, who I, I really like. I think he's probably, other than Scherzer, he's been the most dominant guy in that rotation. Yeah. He's got, obviously, like I said, put up fantastic numbers. His ERA this year, a little bit worse than it normally is at 354, but he's shown over the course of his career he can put up the numbers needed to be the number one guy on pretty much any team in Major League Baseball that's not named the Washington Nationals. Right. I He has kind of had a bit of a down season, but he's shown in the past that he can be a frontline starter on a really good team and perform in the postseason, so... I think, honestly, the, with the fact that he's kind of had a bit of a down year, a team can get a bit of a discount on him, yeah. at least less than he would have gotten had he uh, been a free agent the season before. So a team's going to be getting a really good pitcher at a at a decent price, I would think. He's kind of a guy that's been overshadowed by, at the very least, big names like Scherzer and Strasburg especially, who's kind of seen, despite really not putting up the numbers everyone thought he was going to, Strasburg is always seen as being the main guy in that rotation, you know, rightfully so or not. Zimmerman's kind of consistently been the best pitcher in that rotation over the years. So, obviously, it's going to be really exciting to see where he goes. Does he stay in Washington in that absolutely loaded rotation? I can't wait to see what happens. Yeah, that should be very, very interesting. Um, my number two is a guy that has been very near and dear to my heart recently, Yoannis uh, Cespedes, the um, the new New York Met, has been absolutely on fire since joining the team. He has had he's had the best season of his career so far. I mean, he's already hit his career high in home runs with a month left in the season. With I believe now, yep, he's at twenty six home runs. That's tied for his career high. And this guy has just been an absolute machine. He drives. He drives. You know, he drives in runs. He plays a fantastic outfield. He's played a good center field and left field for the Mets. And he should be able. When you look at contracts like Shinsu Chu's, which was I believe around seven years, kind of in the eighty to ninety million range. I think I'm not sure. I don't have it in front of me. But I think he could definitely command a contract like that. He's thirty years old. So the contract will be somewhat short, I would think. I don't know how long someone's going to lock him up for. But, yeah, he's he's lights out. He doesn't get on base the way that, like, 
a superstar would. I think if he got on base a little at a little bit higher clip, he would be, you know, a top 10 player in the game, but he's still one of the best hitters in all baseball. For sure. As we move on to number two on my list, this is a guy who also been traded recently, and uh, he's really been one of the best pitchers in the game over the last few years, and that's Johnny Cueto. Also a guy who's on the right side of 30. What can you say about Johnny Cueto? I mean, he's been fantastic, consistently having an ERA in the twos throughout the main course of his career, and the guy... He was always lights out for the Reds, moves now to the Royals, to the AL Central um, division, and obviously one of the best teams in baseball. I don't think he stays in Kansas City, personally. Yeah, I I, I mean, he's, I have a hard time seeing the Royals pay that much, right. the money that he's going to really deserve, honestly. I, I, I can't see him staying there. He's yeah. put up incredible numbers this year, ERA under three, it sits at 294 on the season. And the guy, he just doesn't give up runs. Like, yeah. And obviously, that's what you want from a pitcher. <laughs> right, absolutely. He he is an ace in every sense of the word. Yep. And the attitude he has, he's just, he's really good at just, man, he is just so solid. And he doesn't, honestly, he doesn't get the credit that he deserves sometimes because he pitched in Cincinnati, which is kind of a small market. Now he's in Kansas City. So, yeah, I'll be interested to see if he goes to a bigger place. Like, I know Boston is a team that would really need some starting pitching, and they've definitely made some new strides with Dombrowski. That might be a big splash that they could make. Right. I mean, another thing about Cueto that a lot of people really don't talk about, other than that season 2013 where he got injured, he is a guy who eats up innings. In 2014, he pitched 243 innings. That's and two thirds, of course, for what it matters. <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, he's unbelievable. If I could get 243 innings out of any player, yeah, it doesn't have to be a pitcher. Solid. I'm happy, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, unbelievable. Yeah, Johnny Cueto, great. Guy. It's amazing that I can't put him at number one. Yeah, because he's just that good. I wonder who one will be. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see your number um, one. My number one is Justin Upton, and it's interesting because I mentioned Cespedes at two, who has certainly had the better season of the two, but over the course of his career, Justin Upton has been as consistent a run producer and power bat as there has been in all of baseball, and he's entering free agency as a 28-year-old. He's a guy that could get an absolutely mega deal because he's been waiting to be a free agent for a while now. He's been on three different teams in only, I think, nine seasons. So he's kind of moved around a little bit for a guy that really is a upper echelon type of type of player. He was the number one overall pick coming out of the draft. And with Arizona, he, you know, finished he finished fourth in the MVP voting back in 2011. He had some decent years with the Braves, and he's come with the Padres, got off to that raging start. Certainly slumped for a little while in June. He he really didn't hit well in June. But this is a guy that when he's hot, he not only can be can like carry a team, but he can be the best hitter in baseball when he's hot because he's unbelievable. Has so much potential. I man, the money that he's gonna get. It, it I mean, you hear reports that he could get thirty million a year. And that's just crazy. I mean, geez. And do you really believe that thirty million a year I mean, for it's Justin just, Upton? It's nuts. I mean, like you think thirty million for, but when you look at the numbers, he he really has been justifiably good. I mean, this season has kind of been down, but you know, yeah, he's not a guy who can obviously, as we've seen for the Padres, he's not a guy who can carry a team, right? Yeah, I, I just don't know if I could really justify giving thirty million to a guy who hasn't proven that he can really you know, put the load on his shoulders and carry on. Yeah, I mean, it's. It, I think so much of baseball, I think, is what you see is guys like Hayward, guys like Upton, the numbers might not be everything that you think, but these these scouts and these executives, they will carry these guys' potentials to the grave, and they will count on these guys and invest in them because they have tools that no one else has. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, man... And Justin Upton, he's a guy that 
he was a free agent target, and I think he should have moved, but the Padres just completely stood pat. And I don't know. He's I, I think he probably is a little demotivated, which is another bad sign. Is he a guy that's going to shut off whenever things don't go well? Right. My number one big surprise it's David Price. Oh, uh, I know who's, you guys... who's, who's David Price? I've never heard. Yeah, I, I didn't know who he was, and I looked him up, and he's actually he's not bad. Wow. So I thought wow. I'd put nice. him on the list. Very good. <laughs> Obviously, David Price. <laughs> yeah, what can you say yeah, about what him? I know I said say? the exact same thing about Cueto, but he's so good. <laughs> I mean, David Price. He's an all-star seemingly almost every year. He's a guy who's going to contend for the Cy Young. The best left-handed pitcher in baseball. Can we say that? Well, Kershaw, but... Can we say that? (laughs) No, is what I was going to get to. No, but he's definitely... I think when he's on, top five in the game. Of all pitchers, not just lefties, for sure. So he's 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 probably the second best left-handed pitcher in baseball. But, like, really, he is. Because Kershaw's on another planet, so your point still stands. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like, like Kershaw's pitching in another atmosphere, stratosphere, ionosphere. That's how he gets so much velocity. Yeah. It's going faster. Exactly. Something like that. He's traveling through the galaxy, and he's like, I'm in my own league. <laughs> None of you can touch me. David Price this year, he's 13-4. and four. He's got a 2.42 ERA, whip 1.080. The guy, he's a freak. Yeah. He's, he's a freak. It, doesn't, it really doesn't seem to matter what team he's at, what division he's pitching in. The guy puts it together. He yeah. puts up numbers. And I don't really know what more you could ask for. I don't see the Blue Jays keeping him. I, yeah. I thought the Tigers, if he were to stay there, they might have re-signed him. And they might still sign him again. But I don't see him staying in Toronto. Definitely. Unless he takes just a massive cut, um, which I I don't think he's going to do. So it, it's going to be – Yeah, he shouldn't have to, honestly. You're right. And um, since the free agency thing is such a – it's such an expansive field of really good players. I put together kind of an honorable mention kind of thing where I just, you know, a few players that either are free agents or, you know, have some club options that, you know, could be put into place. So we'll see. Uh, Denard Span, Ian Desmond, I put them, I grouped them together because they're both nationals. Uh, Span's kind of been injured this year, really injured this year. He hasn't really produced that much at all. And, uh, He's a really good center fielder. He's a bit of a catalyst for them. He should be an interesting guy. Desmond, down year, but in the past, he's been a 2020 guy, really solid player. Um, Alcides Escobar for the Royals is going to be a free agent. He's got a $5 million club option, but again, he'll probably test free agency, see how things go. And finally, Jose Batista, he's got a $14 million club option that they might pick up. I, I, yeah, I think they're going to pick that up. But we'll see. So I had a few others that kind of just barely didn't make the list. Uh, one of them, Giovanni Gallardo, kind of been a consistent pitcher, going to put up good numbers every year. This year with the Rangers, he's been good second really half. fantastic. Yeah, Very good second half. Uh, another guy, Marco Estrada, guy who's kind of come onto the scene just recently. He's supposed to be a free agent this year. I'm not sure I see him leaving Toronto, maybe. Um, I think that's a guy that they could pretty easily re-sign, and uh, he can put up good numbers for them. And then also another guy who has really faltered this year but has been an incredible pitcher in the past is Doug Fister. He's a guy that teams are going to be able to get for really, really cheap because he's just been so awful this year. Yeah. I mean, he's put up such great numbers in the past. I can see him easily getting back to that. If he's in a situation where he has a chance to succeed, which is not Washington with their just absolute loaded rotation. Right. So um, those are my kind of honorable mentions list for yep, Black. That was a very good top five. Thank yeah. you to Chad Russum. Yes, who suggested that. That was really good. Fantastic. Uh, we mentioned Jack Zarinsic, who uh, we'll just briefly kind of gloss over here. He was let go from the, his position in Seattle. He was the general manager there. Obviously, a disappointing season for them. Very bad. Yes. Um, he, he's made a lot of signings in the recent years, and he's been their GM for a long time. But the signings like Cano hasn't really worked out. You saw Corey Hart that same year. Yeah. I don't even know where he is now. Is he still there? I have no idea. Yeah. I, Which is never a good sign yeah. because, you know. <laughs> it's not. Obviously, Nelson Cruz this year, he's been fantastic. But it's not 
it's not the results right. they were looking yeah. for they, as I mean, a team. Every a lot of baseball people going into the year thought that they were gonna yeah. burst because they had you know Hernandez, Paxton, you know Taiwan Walker in that rotation. They had a they were gonna have a good bullpen and that lineup was way improved. And and but, I read something that said one of the main reasons for his firing was kind of the apparently he was really known as being a good drafting GM and they had two um, number two selections in the past few years. Dustin Ackley and Danny Holson, both of which yeah, really floundered, not really, really panned out. out. Well. That was apparently a big part of it. He brought a lot to the table, or was supposed to, drafting wise, and the guys just didn't pan out. Yeah, so I mean, they they need to, and because this year was supposed to be a year where they were really turning things around, and they've got they've gone a step in the wrong direction. So the Mariners have some uh, thinking to do on whether they want to rebuild or keep going or. That's, we'll see how the, what the new GM does there. I, for new candidates, I honestly have no idea. I uh, I know what I think. Depoto has left the Angels, right? Yeah, he's in Boston now for the time yeah. being. So um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. But that's pretty much our show for this week. Email us at seamlessbaseball at gmail dot com. Give us a follow on Twitter at seamless podcast. We'd love to hear from you guys. Rate and review on iTunes. Subscribe there. Uh, it really means a lot. We're so glad to be doing this for you guys. We really yeah. enjoy it ourselves. We really enjoy hearing from you guys. So keep sending us emails. We'll keep answering them on the show. And uh, we're pretty excited about what we have to bring to you over these next few weeks. Sounds good. Uh, yeah. we. I, I appreciate the views. I appreciate, you know, all the stuff. I know I went to... Um, Dogs of War Ultimate Frisbee on Tuesday. Got some people that were like, oh, my, you're the podcast guy. I was like, yeah. Yeah, the support's been really awesome. Yeah, so we so really appreciate it from I all you guys. It. It's awesome. This has been the Seamless Baseball Podcast. I'm Jake Radford. And I'm Tim Briggs. See ya.